0: and we are live ladies and gentlemen welcome to another exclusive next level webinar creating multi-generational wealth through real estate i'm your host adam carswell joined today by my amazing co-host fletcher wheaton and today we will be entering the mind of anthony walker of buckingham investments Fletcher and Anthony, I know we had a little bit of small talk before we hit record here today, but let's let's go ahead and do it again for the sake of everyone joining us now. How are you guys feeling today? What are you most looking forward to? We'll, we'll start with Fletcher and then we'll go over to Anthony.
1: Thank you, Adam. Yeah, no, on our pre-call, we were, we were really discussing how this Anthony's given this presentation before and it was well-received. Uh, I personally did not see that, so I got uh, the notepad out, madam I'll be taking some notes. Uh, Really looking forward to soaking up some knowledge. And uh, I I really like these kind of live in-person events. It's uh, not in-person, sorry. These live events like this. It's just so much better than watching a video. So I'm looking forward to this one.
0: Me too. <clears throat> How about you, Anthony? Yeah. What do you? you uh, I know you're looking forward to sharing with us today, but anything else kind of running through your head right now? I'm always
2: looking forward to sharing with people. It's springtime here in Southern California. It's beautiful. There's a lot of activity out there in our little corner of the real estate market. So it's always a good chance doing something like this to take a step back, think about strategy and the big picture. I just came from an inspection that I had to leave early to come here. So uh, it's always great have something like this to force me to go through this think about it again think about my own portfolio what we can do to help people I'm stoked
0: love it and I, yeah it's so true I mean when you look at any 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 good presentation you can watch it 50 different times and always learn something new every single time you go through it so um, I know that's how it's definitely how I'm feeling today as I get to go through this one for the second time and, and here we go guys so today's webinar is sponsored by Cabo Key Real Estate. Cabo Key Real Estate helps their buyers find the right properties in Mexico through the power of education. You can visit their site, that's cabokey.com. I know it's gonna be in the comments here and the chat box momentarily. And then also we are sponsored by Raise Masters, the number one mastermind for elite capital raisers to learn more and apply. You can attend the upcoming webinar by clicking on the link in the chat Or if you're with us on the replay, that link is in the show notes as well. A big thank you to our production team and Aaron Eiler, who I know is hustling over there. Rena Guerrero as well. You guys have done a lot. And then uh, even Fletcher and Anthony, you guys coordinating before today, putting together a lot of the pre-marketing content. Always appreciate that extra effort. If you're with us here live, hello. And thank you for investing your most valuable resource with us, your time. Let's get that chat box warmed up. Go ahead and punch in who you are, where you're tuned in from. Uh, if you're with us on Facebook, you can do the same thing over there. There's also a link to join us here in the main Zoom room if you so choose. And if you're joining us on that replay, as we like to say, hit that smash that like button, hit that subscribe button. It just really helps a ton with the overall performance of this presentation, as well as future next level webinars. Oh my goodness, how could I forget? Last thing Dream Chasers, our podcasting platform. If you're listening there, drop that five-star rating and don't forget to click on a link to the video replay, which is there in the show notes. So, all right, you guys are going to get some life-changing value today. Please grab that notepad. Make sure if you can exit out of any other distractions as we make our way through this webinar. Uh, We were telling a little bit of the backstory here and definitely want to get Anthony's take on it too. But, uh, you know, I met Anthony guys not too long ago. Man, it's crazy to think we did that conference in January, huh?
2: Yeah, it seems like yesterday, but time flies (laughs) well into 2021 now.
0: Wow. Yeah, that is crazy because it does seem like yesterday. Um, That's what happens in this virtual world that we're living in now. So Intelligent Investors Real Estate Conference, guys, um, 2021, a very sophisticated, savvy conference that investors from all around the world were able to attend because it was virtual this year. I guess even if it was in person, all around the world could still come. But, um, you know, it's, it's crazy to think the ticket for going to that conference is somewhere in the $500 range. And Anthony had probably, I'd say without a doubt, top three presentations during it. Like when he was presenting them, everyone was like, yo, this is crazy. Like just the comments blew up like no other presentation. And so you guys are getting like value on a silver platter delivered to you today. And I'm so happy that Anthony was willing to share this with us. So uh, am I Am I missing anything there, Anthony? We pretty much- Oh, no,
2: that's, I, thank you for the- wonderful warm introduction and I'm super excited to be here yeah
0: (laughs) all right love it love it so um as we make our way through guys don't be shy remember prepare those questions for Anthony you can drop them in the Q&A box here on Zoom in the comments that works as well same goes on Facebook um looking forward to hearing what you guys think and then um also if you are with us on Facebook don't forget to drop a, a little comment in there hashtag next level really help us drive some traffic on that end Fletcher everything good on your end?
1: Yeah, man. Everything's good over here. Ready to get it rolling.
0: All right. It's game time. Ladies and gentlemen, you can go ahead, give it up. I was going to say hit those Zoom emojis, but I think that's only on Zoom meeting. But wherever you are, just make some noise and and get ready. Give it up for Anthony Walker. Woo! Yeah.
2: (laughs) Thank you, guys. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here today. We are going to have a little talk about taking a step back and looking at creating generational wealth through real estate. So I'm going to go ahead and share my screen here to get us started, because I've got a bunch of charts and graphs and math and other really fun stuff for everybody to look at. Um, But first, before we get started and start looking at all this stuff, A lot of people that are in the real estate investing space you know we spend a ton of time going to webinars seminars reading books listening to podcasts they get love to get way into the details about you know finding the perfect deal underwriting your deal analyzing markets and properties and due diligence and cap rates and syndicating deals and limited partner and general partner splits and deal structure. And all that stuff is super important and you have to know how to do all that to be an active investor in the space or passive investor for that matter. But a lot of us forget why we got into this to begin with. And um, it can be a really useful experience to just take a step back and from a strategic perspective just recalibrate on why we got into this to begin with. So that's what we're gonna do today. We're gonna go through a little bit of a thought experiment um, in a couple directions. And I'm going to share some examples, some of my experience, and hopefully uh, you get a chance to just internalize some of this and take a broader look at, at your own situation as it pertains to your real estate investment portfolio. So first of all, first off, a little bit about me. Uh, that's me, my daughters, my beautiful wife, one of them wasn't too happy about getting a photo taken of her so you know she's, she's not in a good mood here but um i'm originally from minneapolis i saw we had somebody else here from midwest jeff in the uh in the chat so welcome i moved out to la 21 years ago now in 2000 to attend undergrad at usc um, i worked in the insurance corporate side of the insurance world for almost 10 years and just really wasn't happy with corporate life i wanted to start a business for myself that um, where the amount of effort that i put in could yield results beyond uh, my time. And so I went to business school at night to try and figure out what that business was going to be. And I wanted to find a business that was going to be scalable, deliver passive income, and require a minimal number of employees. So if that sounds familiar and sounds like real estate, that's why I'm here. Uh, It happened to be that I met a company called Buckingham Investments which uh, I now run as when I was a student in business school. And I really loved their approach. It's a uh, 50 plus year company. They've been around since 1963, helping people learn, plan and invest in mostly multifamily real estate right here in the Southern California market. And I started off as a client now, 11 years ago, I bought a little duplex in Long Beach. And uh, this is it. This This was the first investment property that I had. Not much to write home about. Actually, the photo looks a lot nicer than it really was in person. Bought this for $300,000. Uh, scrimped and saved, put together you know, tax refunds, end of year bonuses, plopped my down payment down and, and got this, sat on it for a while, exchanged it into this five unit, 100 year old building. Not exactly a looker, but it did its job. Owned it for a while, exchanged it into this, a larger eight unit. Um, this is all in the Long Beach, California market. And then since then I have exchanged and refinanced and bought more property. Um, I own, well, I'm gonna own 16 buildings when I close on the current escrow I have open, uh, about 120 units or doors, as people like to say, almost all in the Long Beach market, although I just, I just bought one in Inglewood as well. So Southern California, LA, LA area stuff. And I just buy properties with my own money. So um, that gives me a lot of flexibility to do what I want with a, you know, adding value and turning the buildings over and renovating and refinancing and buying more. But more importantly, how this works to begin with is what's so exciting about uh, my journey. And so this is what I really have enjoyed about working with Buckingham Investments. Um, I took this company over in 2017 as the CEO. The original owners were not doing as much um, our founder actually passed away. and But the really great value that we have here is all of this educational material and research going all the way back to the 1960s in our market. And a lot of this stuff is just not really what you cover in the traditional classes that you might go to. There's a lot more focus on technicals and super specific um, terminology and underwriting and you know figuring out how to use different software and stuff like that. So this is... Pretty simplified. It should be review for a lot of people that are already investing, but it's really useful to review this and think about what it means and how it impacts your future for your your life and your family for that matter. So when we talk about creating generational real estate, well, generational wealth through real estate, we're really talking about time. And if you're talking about time and you're talking about investing, you're talking about time value of money. So that's why I'm showing you this slide right here. This is a simple equation. This is also known as the compound interest formula. And for those of us that haven't messed with this in a while, or maybe didn't take a finance class in undergrad, unfortunately, they don't teach this in high school. We're just going to unpack this formula for a minute. So the time value of money formula is the uh, equation that's at work in any investment where your money works and grows and compounds for itself. And the math looks like this, the variables are your future value is equal to a present value or your initial investment times one plus the rate of return you're able to achieve on that investment to the power of n, where n is the number of years your investment works or compounds upon itself. So that sounds kind of complicated at first, especially when we don't really have any numbers in the equation, we haven't filled in the variables, but step back for a minute and remember your junior high algebra and just, realize this is an exponential equation. And so an exponential equation, when you graph it out, like we have in our little cocktail napkin graph here, has a parabolic curve to it. So you can see the slope of this graph accelerating over time as we go on, if we put time on the x-axis and the value of your money or the future value on the y-axis here. And you'll notice that we have an ever increasing amount of your future value with each year. That is because Time or n in this equation is the exponent in this equation. So, by far, that's the most powerful variable here. And that's going to be really important for what we're going to talk about today. Most people in real estate like to talk about R, rate of return, right? That's what you are controlling. That's kind of the most important easy metric to analyze when you're looking at deals, but we forget about time. And time is actually the more powerful variable here. The intersection of the two where you can get a strong rate of return and have your money working for a long time can result in ridiculous, incredible generational wealth. So let's talk about how that equation might apply to an individual. So you can actually turn this into a super simple investment plan for yourself. And I would challenge everybody to be honest and answer this question, do you have an investment plan written down? Whether it's for real estate or private placement investments, stock market, whatever, you should have an investment plan written down. And if you don't, it doesn't have to be super complicated. doesn't have to be pages long. You don't need a financial advisor necessarily to write you one you just need this one sentence. And all this sentence is, is it's a word problem version of that time value of money equation. So we could say, if we're reading out the blanks here, I'm going to invest present value dollars for N years in real estate investments at a sustained rate of return of R percent. And I will be worth future value dollars at the end of the plan. So looking at this, it starts to make a little bit more sense for us as individuals. If I'm gonna invest present value dollars, that's a fixed, amount for most people that's however much capital you have available or allocated to invest in real estate for n years that's going to be how long you're willing to wait until you want to be worth future value dollars and then the r rate of rate of return we can actually estimate what a reasonable rate of return is going to be over a long period by looking at historical math applying financing and understanding how buildings tend to operate in your market so we're going to do that today and hopefully you walk away with an investment plan for yourself So you can plug in different variables for this equation in a financial calculator. Um, I've actually just got a simple financial calculator on paper here, so to speak, in front of you right now. This is just a table of various values in that equation. So if you were to grab a financial calculator and let's say you've got $200,000 to use as a down payment for an apartment building or a piece of investment real estate, that would be your present value variable. And if N equals 10, that's invested for 10 years, if we're able to get, let's say, a 25% return on equity on your investments, then your $200,000 becomes worth about $1.8 million after 10 years. That's great, but unfortunately, $1.8 million is not enough for most people to retire on. But the equation and that little graph on the cocktail napkin starts to take shape when we look at what happens to this number as you go beyond 10 years. So look what happens. The first 10 years, you get to 1.8 million. In the next five years, you get to $5.6 million. So it more than triples in the five years after the first 10. And then again, five years later, it goes to $17 million from only $200,000 invested once at the beginning of this sample super simple generic investment plan. So that sounds kind of ridiculous that I'm showing you a chart starting at 20 percent ROE. Uh, We're going to explain why that's not ridiculous in a minute but suffice it to say not only will you have this kind of net worth after you execute on a plan like this but it's a reasonable assumption that you should be able to make about a 5% passive cash return on equity on your future value at any point in time in this portfolio so 15 years on five percent of 5.6 million what is that you know two hundred and eighty thousand dollars a year something like that uh now we're starting that's looking pretty good as far as the financial independence goes and of course at 17 million it starts to look a lot better so how am i getting to those numbers well let's talk about that here so a lot of people have seen the four elements of return i'm not going to go into great detail about this uh, these are the basics in any real estate investment you've got appreciation as the value of property goes up over time you've got the cash flow which is the spendable cash after the rents come in pay all the expenses and the mortgage or the debt service uh, and then you've got your equity build up through amortization so if you buy real estate with a loan that is the principal pay down on your loan because your tenants are paying your mortgage for you. The part that goes to paying down the principal can be expressed as the return because that goes to equity and that is yours when you eventually refinance or sell the property. And then real estate has some fantastic tax shelter benefits that we can quantify as well. Uh, The depreciation allowance is probably the easiest one to quantify, but there's a lot of fancy stuff you can do here. So if you add all four of these elements together, you get that R% percent in your time value of money equation. And now each one of these are gonna be useful for different things, depending on what you're trying to accomplish in your real estate portfolio. Cash flow is useful today to spend and you know, pay bills and be financially independent if that's where you are. Um, but appreciation is more useful for building wealth over time. And there's generally a trade-off between those two, right? You have high yield markets, which are generally lower in appreciation and you have lower yield markets or lower cap rate markets, which are generally higher for appreciation. In Southern California, we're definitely in that latter category. So let's look at that for a minute. This is where it starts to get interesting and you get some real uh, historical data here from us. So here at Buckingham, we have been doing our own local market research since 1965. And what you're looking at here, it's kind of hard to read, you can download this from our website if you want. This is 55 years of apartment building values in Southern LA County. We call this the Greater South Bay and the geographic region that's on this chart goes from about LAX, Inglewood area, down through Long Beach, all the beach cities, Uh, The greater South Bay cities like Gardena, Hawthorne, Lawndale, those types of areas, San Pedro. And this is just price per square foot on two units and above closed sales going back to 1965. So in 1965, we're at $14 a square foot. In 2020, we ended at $422 a square foot. Not too bad. Uh, If you just average out all of the business cycles, the real estate cycles here, that's an average rate of appreciation on the value of properties of about 6.4%. And so obviously real estate is susceptible to changes in the markets and the business cycle. But the important thing to remember looking at this chart is every time we have a downturn and then we have a recovery, we always surpass our previous high. So, you know, just charting this out for a minute early 1980s downturn, strong recovery, early 90s downturn, that was a bad one. Subprime boom up until 2007 at 329 a foot, subprime crash down to 205, and now raging back up to 422. We've just gone through a global pandemic that seems to be in its final months, hopefully, knock on wood. And um, real estate is doing really well, especially multifamily, because everybody needs a place to live. And uh, people were actually pretty able to pay the rent throughout the pandemic as a result of a lot of other factors that we could get into on a whole other presentation. So another interesting thing looking at this chart though is real estate is not necessarily tied one-to-one with the stock market or with the economy in general. There's a missing cycle here in 2001. We had the dot-com bubble burst, we had the 9-11 attacks and real estate just kept going up because uh, that what was going on in the stock market didn't really affect the real estate values here in Southern California. I think that's kind of analogous to maybe what might be in our near future here in the country, depending on who you ask. So really interesting chart. So just remember that 6.4% number. That's what we're getting at there. Now, I showed you a time value money chart that starts at 20, though. So what, what gives, right? If you've got cash flow, 3 to 5%, appreciation at 64 principal pay down, amortization is probably 5%, tax shelter benefits, another 3 to 5% that doesn't really get you to 20 to 30%. Well, what's happening here is that people are taking advantage of a concept called leveraged appreciation. And we talk a lot about leverage sometimes in the, uh, in the operating sense in that you wanna try and buy buildings that have a cap rate higher than your interest rate or higher than your cost of funds, but you can also apply this leverage concept to appreciation. So if we have 55 years of data And we know that over the long run, real estate does actually always go up. Not necessarily over the next one year, two years and so on, but 50 years, 10 years plus it does. Then we can apply that long-term math and we can apply leverage to it and we can change how we might forecast future returns. So let's just look at a simple example here to explain this concept. The basic idea behind leverage appreciation is that most people buy with some of your own money down and a lot of somebody else's money, OPM, right? Other people's money, usually from a bank, to buy an asset. As the asset appreciates in value, the increase in value all goes to the investor. The lender doesn't get to participate in that. You only owe the lender the loan. So mathematically expressed, it's leveraged depreciation, and it multiplies your return on equity from appreciation. It sounds like a bunch of mumbo jumbo. So let's just look at our s- a simple example here. Let's, see if, let's say you had $300,000 cash to invest and you were raised to believe that all debt is bad. And if you can afford something cash, you should buy it in cash. You could go buy a very small investment property for 300 grand. And if in your average year, it went up by 5%, that's just me using more conservative math than our 55 year chart then 5% of $300,000 is $15,000, and in year two, it's worth $315,000. Your return on equity in year one is the appreciation divided by your down payment, which in this case was the purchase price because you didn't use a loan, so that's 5%. So for those of you that have been reading ahead already, you're seeing what we do now in scenario two. What if instead you took the $300,000 used it as a down payment. You got a 75% loan to value loan on an apartment building. That's totally normal, average, typical loan. And you buy a $1.2 million apartment building. And we make sure that whatever $1.2 million apartment building you buy is going to generate enough rent to pay the debt service on the $900,000 loan. That $1.2 million building goes up at 5% as well. And you make $60,000 in appreciation Instead of 15, the building's worth 1.26 in year two. Now, the math for ROE in that example though is the $60,000 you made from appreciation, again, divided by the down payment, the amount you put into the deal. So 300,000, 20% ROE instead of five, you made $60,000 instead of 15 with the same amount of money. So it looks like a little magic trick, but this is actually how it works. It's just that simple. Uh, You can complicate the heck out of this with spreadsheets and analysis and all kinds of stuff. But at the end of the day, it really does work this way. And this is how people create multi-generational wealth through buying real estate and managing a portfolio over decades. So let's talk about that though. You can't just buy one property for $1.2 million and say, awesome, I put my 300 grand down. I'm gonna be worth over $20 million in 20 years. Uh, You know, I bought my future lottery ticket already, I'm set doesn't quite work that way. And the reason is, is that over time, if you're looking at return on equity, which I encourage you to do that, there's a, there's a difference between return on equity and return on investment. Return on equity manages your return each year on your previous years or your starting equity at that year, which changes every year as the value of your property and the amount of equity in the property as you pay the loan down changes versus ROI, where ROI measures your return based on your original investment. ROI becomes meaningless after the first year of owning a property. On any buy and hold investment, ROI is not a great metric. A lot of people like to look at internal rate of return or IRR instead, but internal rate of return has some problems as well because it has to assume a terminal value after X holding period. And that kind of limits you in the way that you might look at this. So instead, I encourage you to look at return on equity each year as your portfolio grows, and let me explain why this becomes problematic buying one property and holding it forever. So if you buy a $1.2 million property with 300 grand down, then in year one, we did that earlier example, you made 20% return on your equity. In year two, it's worth 1.26. You have $360,000 in equity because you made 60,000 in year one and 5% of Two, of 1.26 is sixty-three thousand dollars. Sixty-three thousand dollars divided by three hundred and sixty thousand dollars means your return on equity in year two is only seventeen and a half percent. So you can see where this goes. As the denominator or your equity in each year continues to rise, it rises faster than the equity that your the return on the appreciation goes up each year. So what the the net effect is that that your ROE gets diluted over time. So if you just buy this property at the end of the 20th year, your ROE has gone from 20% leveraged down to 7% leveraged depreciation. And your total ROE over the life of this investment has gone from 20 to 11. So at the beginning, sure, we can get you up into the mid-20s on your combined rate of return because you've got cash flow, amortization, and everything else. Uh, By the time you're here, though, you can't do that anymore. So you're not going to be able to hit those huge numbers that I was showing earlier on the time value money chart. So what do we need to do? We need to track our equity over time and re-leverage. So here's a chart showing you how that might work if you're looking at doing that after every fourth year, exchanging in the fifth year. So same property here for the first four years, you get deleveraged, And then after four years, what if you exchange and you take $558,000 when you sell this property and you exchange into a $2.2 million property with 25% down. You re-leverage your return back up to 20% when you do that. And if you repeat that process every four years, you can average an ROE from leverage depreciation of 17% or so across the life of your portfolio. Now, by the time you're here in the 20th year, you've got $17 million property and 6.7 million worth of equity. Now, that's way less than I showed in the time value of money chart because this is a super simplified example that doesn't take into consideration any principal pay down, tax benefits, reinvesting the cash, or anything like that. So that's why it's a lower number here. But the idea, the, the concept is the important part here. So let's compare the difference. Buy and hold over time. Here's how it looks at all, all the way up to 2041. If you just did nothing, you'd be worth a little over $2 million. And then here's how it looks if you're re-leveraging all the way up to almost 7 million. The impact is really obvious. This is is how you do it if you are managing your return on equity over time, all right? Now, that only included um, just the appreciation piece. So let's say if we're doing a super rough example here, Uh, just for the benefit of time, we don't want to get into a giant Excel analysis model. And we say that as a result of reinvesting cash flow, principal pay down and tax benefits, and doing some value add activities on your apartments, maybe you can get an 8% total return on capital annualized. I think that's pretty uh, conservative, actually, Uh, you should definitely be able to do that. So I'm just going to uh, simplify the heck out of this and use an 8% appreciation to account for those other elements of return because we're just looking at a giant 20-year chart here on a, on a broad high-level talk. So at 8%, look how it changes. Your return on equity starts at 32, and then you re-leverage when it gets under 20. And you, you can average an ROE over a 20-year portfolio of 25%, and you are worth $26 million in 20 years with $58 million in property. That is not bad. That is generational wealth right there. That changes the trajectory of your family, your income forever. If you have everything in trusts and you've got it appropriately sheltered, you're gonna be in an incredible position. And look at how this changes with the grass. It is amazing. Um, So seems too good to be true, but, The reason that this works is time. So a lot of people want to get into real estate because they think it's a get rich quick scheme. It's not, that's the big difference here. The beginning of this chart you'll notice is really boring. It's really flat. The first 10 years, not a whole lot is going on. And it feels like, oh man, I got sold all these buildings. I either have to manage them or I'm having to spend money upgrading them. Nothing's really happening. Well. That's because of the nature of this time value of money equation. The beginning is the boring part, not a whole lot is going on. Once your money has had enough years end to compound and work for itself, you start to be able to reinvest more and more every year. And the curve of this graph goes vertical as this occurs. So in my own portfolio, I'm like about here. I'm just now at kind of the exciting place where I can do two or three new acquisitions every year. I can use all of my buildings to. Pay to do all the value add activities on the new acquisitions. I've got enough cash flow to support my life. I have exited the rat race and I'm financially independent now. I still work because I really enjoy what I what I do here running our brokerage company. Uh, but I'm just starting to get to this point where it's starting to get really exciting. So that's really how you look at this stuff. Now, a lot of people get distracted along the way though. So let's talk about the stock market mentality. These are a couple pitfalls we see people often um, get into when, we're, when they're looking at real estate and when they're looking at deals. And the most common one is basically revolving around this stock market mentality, we like to call it. So a lot of people come into real estate with some experience investing in the stock market, mutual funds, or at least you've read a bunch of articles about that kind of stuff. And you know, the general way people like to try and play the stock market is buy low, sell high. Wouldn't everybody love to do that? Try and get that super secret stock tip buy a company before it explodes, sell before it, you know, uh, before its results come out or something like that. Uh, Obviously, this applies with all the craziness going on in the markets right now, whether you're investing in GameStop or cryptocurrency or whatever, that kind of mentality and real estate do not mix. The the strategy that works perfectly with real estate is long-term investing with these types of forecasts and planning, and the great thing about real estate is sometimes it's illiquidity because it stops you from selling in down markets. Now, what I'm showing you here is a the S&P return since inception, going back to 1957 when it was started. There was an article um, that came out sometime in 2007 that was bragging of the original 500 S&P Uh, companies that were in the S&P 500, 86 of them were still in business as of 2007 on its 50th anniversary. Like that was a positive thing. Well, the reality is if you picked one of those original companies in 1957, you had a a 17% chance of picking a company that was still in business at all 50 years later. And I'm pretty sure that every parcel of real estate that went into that 50-year chart I showed you is still here today. So the average annual rate of return was 7%. That's total. So that's just no other elements of return there. And this is the problem that gets, that gets a lot of people because they take this mentality to real estate investing, feeling like they have to try and pick a winner. And so uh, we call this the dilemma of a good deal. So I've got a couple little props for you here. Um, I have the best and the worst deal in Lawndale. So Lawndale is, um, or sorry, Hawthorne. Hawthorne is kind of a bedroom community here in um, the South Bay LA, and uh, it's a good rental market. You know, a lot of kind of B, C properties, working class, great place to invest. And we've got here the best and the worst priced four units that sold in Hawthorne in 1989. And we have this because we've been around for over 50 years. I found a stack of old MLS cards. These are the actual MLS cards from 19, this one's from 1980, similar building, going back that far. And so we're really fortunate to have old stuff like this. This is what the MLS used to look like. You got a little picture of the building on the back and uh, and the details were on this little yellow note card. We have a whole box of them because had we had them from back in the day so we found the the best price and the worst price for unit from that market and uh so you could argue that this investor that bought this acacia property really did well they got the best deal on a similar four unit at that time this buyer that bought this 108th street 118th street property got hosed they overpaid they, they paid the highest amount possible uh, for any similar property that year for 525. This was the down payment required for each one. A price in 2020 for a similar property is about 1.6 million. And if they just bought this property, forgot about all the other elements of return and ignored it, their gross profit from sale would be 1.13 in the acacia property or 1 million75 on 118th. The difference in their average annual return is less than half a percent between these two properties. I know this is a super simple example, but stick with me here for a minute. So now let's say that the person who wanted this Acacia property absolutely had to get the best deal possible on the market. They wanted to make sure they did better than anybody else in this area. And the person that bought the 118th 18th Street property was just ready to go and they understood time value money and they just bought when it was appropriate for their life. So because the person in Acacia had to wait, they waited a year to buy that property and they got a better price, but the person that bought the worst deal bought a year earlier. So despite getting a better price, look at what happens to the returns on these two investors. You got a little better deal and you waited a year and you ended up being worth almost $7 million that's great buying this property and re leveraging using the same assumptions and estimates from before, or you were ready to take action. You understood long-term math and you bought the worst deal on the market. It's a bummer, but you did it. And as a result, you made $2 million more at the end of your investment portfolio's life than the person who waited a year to get the very best deal. That's the dilemma of the good deal. And it's so common to see people get caught in this logic trap because they feel like they have to do that in order to make money investing in real estate. But in reality, this is an illustration of why that little n as in the exponent of the time value of money equation is so important. This investor who started one year earlier in the 19th year of their investment portfolio are making $2 million because they had an extra year of their money working for them that the investor who had to steal their property didn't. It's a really interesting case study. Mm. So let's talk about another problem that gets a lot of people. A lot of people think they come in and they think, I've got to get a property in a great area. I've got to just buy in this the best up and coming area possible that's just going to explode. And I'm going to make so much money because I'm just going to pick exactly where the highest appreciation is, is going to happen. So let's look at an example here of Lawndale. And here's my Lawndale duplex. This Lawndale duplex on 156th, here it is for real, if you can read that, sold for $95,000 right there in 1980. And uh, it's it's just a simple duplex, 5,200 square foot lot. And then um, property number two, a similar comp sold in 2020 for 836. So this is our going in price. And then it's worth about 836 now. Again, Lawndale's kind of like a low income or middle income, good kind of bedroom community here in South Bay, great great rental market. It's not a area property whatsoever. Now, what if instead we took also this duplex in Hermosa Beach? There it is, duplex in Hermosa Beach, same card. This one sold for $260,000 in 1980, out of the box. And in 2020, something similar was worth 3.8 million bucks. So this person really picked a winner, right? Hermosa Beach was just a quiet surf town back in 1980, you know, a little rough around the edges. And we, if you've been to Southern California, you know that in 2020, Hermosa Beach is where all of the professional athletes and some movie stars live and, you know, properties are usually $1,000 a square foot or more. So this person must've made way more money than the person buying the Lawndale Duplex, right? Let's look at that. So the the person buying the Hermosa property did appreciate more. This property appreciated around 7% average every year. The Lawndale property appreciated about five and a half. And here's the 2020 sale prices and the profits. But to buy the Hermosa Beach property, you would have had to put $130,000 down to break even To buy the Lawndale property, you would have had to put $24,000 to break even. That's because the Lawndale property was a higher cap rate, the rents were better, and so it didn't need as much down payment, and you were able to use more leverage to buy the Lawndale property than you were with the Hermosa Beach property. This buyer started deleveraged already if they had to buy with 50% down. So with the same amount of money, you could buy one duplex in Hermosa or 5.4 Lawndale duplexes, and the profit with the same investment, if we multiply these numbers out, would have been $4 million on the Laundale, 5.4 Lawndale duplexes versus $3.54 million from the Hermosa Beach property. So you're actually giving up a ton of return in exchange for investing in an area that you think might perform better than another. Doesn't make sense to do that. If you manage your leverage and you buy in the right areas where you can maximize the leverage that you're using, you're gonna do a lot better. Now let's look at how this applies over 40 years because we looked at a 1980 sale. Here is buying in Hermosa Beach and continuing to do exchanges as appropriate over time and putting 50% down every time you do an exchange because you're staying in Hermosa Beach. If you have to put 50% down every time, you still do end up at about $25 million at the end of your investments life cycle 40 years later. So your 130 grand, $25 million. So great, nice job. 40 years is a long time, so you got a strong return. But look what happens if you buy with 25% down and you continue to re-leverage at 25% down in an area similar to Lawndale. You end up with over $200 million in equity in the same amount of time. Buying properties that you probably wouldn't necessarily drive all your friends by and brag about, but makes way more sense when you really step back and you look at the math. So you owe it to yourself to think about all these things and take this from a long-term value perspective. That's generational wealth. <laughs> this is too, to be fair, 40 years is gonna help you wherever you're investing. But this is insane. Those numbers are just unbelievable. Now, in reality, you might scale back some of your acquisitions and get less aggressive as you go on. You don't need to you know, use as much leverage as when, I mean, who needs $200 million, honestly, right? But the example I think is a really powerful one. So what I would challenge people to do here is if you take nothing else away from our talk, step back for a minute, write yourself an investment plan, ask how much you need to be financially independent, try and quantify that, figure out your monthly overhead, extrapolate for inflation if you want to get fancy, divide that by 0.05 because I think you can get a 5% cash return on equity in pretty much any market you're working in. That's going to give you your future value target figure out when you want that to be, how much you have to invest today, use some conservative estimates for your rate of return. I recommend 20 to 25%, something like that, and see what it takes. And then once you have that plan written down, that's gonna help you take action and go out and buy a property that makes sense to achieve those goals. It's not about the sack of money, it's about the lifestyle and what we're trying to create investing in real estate, right? it's a lot of work to do this. You're going to have to do, get through transactions and financing and loan applications and inspections. And hopefully you hire professional management. You don't have to manage property yourself, but it's still a lot of work. So step back for a minute. Think about that. Here's what you might want to put into a more detailed plan. That would include your goals, your general plan, which we talked about, a detailed plan that would have year by year estimates, follow up every year and adjust. This is gonna change every year because the market is never just a smooth line like we're using here in our examples. And then you review your goals and adjust as appropriate. So I think we all owe it to ourselves to do that and see what's coming. And then I threw this last one in here because I know we get tons and tons of questions when we're talking about the direction of the market in general, about where we are right now. And I thought this is really useful thing to share because not everybody has this old data that we do going back so many years. So there is a lot of talk out there right now about inflation coming back. And we just got our April to April inflation numbers today or yesterday and uh, countrywide CPI went up by 4.2 percent that's quite a bit so it seems like it's either back or it's transitory inflation as a result of people going back to work who knows who knows what to believe so a lot of people think that interest rates might be going up very soon so I always get the same question well if inflation is coming back and interest rates are going to go up isn't that going to cause values to go down Well, we haven't had a significant amount of inflation in our market in this country in a long time. The last time we had uh, big inflation was in the 1970s. So let's go back to that value chart. This is a little excerpt from this cycle in the 1970s. And what we've done here is we have the price per square foot again for multifamily real estate. And then overlaid on top of that, starting in 72, we have the 30-year average mortgage interest rate during that time. So sure enough, inflation was starting to get out of control during the 1970s, um, and they were raising rates aggressively to try and get it under control. But what happened? Rates went from 7% up to 16% in 1981, and values continued to climb along with them. And the reason that's happening is, I think, for multiple reasons. Most importantly, if you're raising interest rates because inflation is going wild, inflation is also affecting the value of assets like property in the market as well as rents and everything else. So to think that, you know... If inflation is up and rates are going up, so values are going to go down. There's kind of a missing piece in that argument to me. I think you know rates can affect valuations to some extent, but when you have this going on, of course the values of the properties are going to be affected as well. The other thing that happens as rates start to go up is you get that you get that FOMO. Everybody loves to talk about FOMO in the uh, the cryptocurrency space or picking that hot stock tip, right? But Um, you definitely get FOMO with rising interest rates as well. People are trying to buy homes, get into investment properties before rates get any higher so they can lock in the rate today. So what happened here in this recovery is interesting. Values of properties went up 406% during this time. That's way larger than they went up during the subprime boom. The chart I showed you earlier is a little confusing because this looks smaller, but on a percentage change basis, This was a way larger boom than the subprime boom was that went from 114 to 329. That's less than 300%. This is over 400%. So my question to everyone sitting on the sidelines waiting for that to happen is, can you afford to sit on the sidelines? And if you can buy something that pays for itself and you know how the long-term math works, being a real estate investor, when the value of your loan is eroding over time like that and your rents and your value is going up is a great proposition. So that's my spiel for the day. Thanks for joining us, talking a little bit about long-term value creation and wealth and real estate. Hopefully that was helpful.
0: Very helpful, very helpful. You know, I wish there's got to be a way on Zoom to install like the, uh, the round of applause or something like that. <laughs> um, super helpful, Anthony. Thank you. I've got so many uh, notes and takeaways I've got here. We, um, we've got about 15 minutes or so left um, for the sake of the replay, guys, we do want to announce after we're done here and we we end the recording, we're going to be doing a breakout session with Anthony. So if you want to get to know him, have a little VIP interaction, we are going to be doing that. But until then, let's go ahead and answer some of these questions that came through. Uh, one of the first ones, which actually this is this is definitely a good one. I, I think I know the answer, but we'll see. Are the slides going to be available?
2: Absolutely. Yeah, we can make them available however you like. I have this in PDF format, so. Um... I, Adam, I don't know if you have a file because uh,
0: you, you did send them over to me in advance, right?
2: Yeah, so we can get them out to everyone, and you can see that. Uh, no problem.
0: Awesome. Yeah, and then Rena, we'll make sure to get that over to you too. So thank you, Anthony Fletcher. Do you want to you want to take the next question?
1: Yeah, Anthony, there's a lot of stuff you cover there that was really good. Um, if you have a question
0: for yourself too, Fletcher, I mean, don't <laughs> don't hold. Back. Yeah, no, no. I that,
1: I'm going to jump into that actually. Um, yeah. I really liked how you started out, and this is going to kind of like go into the next question that somebody has, like how do you get started? I really liked how you like started with a duplex and and whatnot. I'm curious, and I really like how you're basically using your money in these deals. Uh, How many doors on average do you usually have for your properties? Yeah, that's a great question. So
2: I got started in the smaller two to four unit space. Um, there's a big distinction there between two to four units and five and up in multifamily. If you haven't done it before, two to four units are, the financing is a 30-year fixed loan similar to what you would get on a home loan. So those are really nice because A, they're 30-year fixed and B, there's no prepayment penalties on them, which exist in the commercial loan space. So a lot of people really like that. Um, but because the financing is attractive in that space, the pricing for two to four unit properties are more expensive. The cap rates are lower price per door is higher, price per square foot is higher. So if you have the capital, most people will try to get into the five and up space because the numbers are a little bit better, but most people start in the two to four unit space. So um, me personally, most of my buildings are between six and 20 units in size. I do have a couple fours that I just got You know, opportunistically. They happen to be great deals that came across the desk and I was able to get them. But most of them are in that kind of mid, middle size, here in California, you know, the prices are extreme for those two, because we're at about $300,000 a door. So, you know, those buildings are generally worth, you know, $1.8 to $5 million, something like that. Um, on the five and up financing, you're going to be fixed for three, five, or seven years. Generally, you're going to have prepayment penalties during the fixed period of the loan. The rate is often better than the residential lending. It's, it's about the same right now, which is what's bidding up the to four unit properties but often it's better and the cap rates are better in that space so that's really why i like that
1: nice i really like that market i feel like right now in the multifamily space you know and i see it kind of cooling off but in regards to this particular market but it seemed like and everybody was just trying to do like the bigger deal and you have these like 300 unit yeah um you know 450 unit and to me that's great but First of all, you're kind of like the minority of ownership. And on top right. of it, it's not like the the local don or dentist or you know doctor or whoever is going to be able to to buy that, right? You're really looking at only like institutions can can sell that. Whereas the the six to 20 that you're talking about, I think that's a lot easier to, to unload. Do you have any thoughts on that?
2: Absolutely. So, there, I mean, there's a couple of things going on there. First of all, well, yeah, when you're buying those large properties, you're generally buying as a limited partner in a syndication or a fund or something like that. So um, that has some benefits in that, you know, you're hands free and you don't have to do anything. On the other hand, you're giving up a significant amount of the profits to the sponsor who's running the deal and that works really well Uh, you know the sponsors are of course incentivized to do larger deals because they can make more money doing that doesn't make sense for that a lot of sponsors to do really small properties Um, but for an individual who really wants to get into it and control the asset themselves there's a lot of benefits to buying smaller properties with your own money as the down payment so that's basically our business we are a brokerage company at the end of the day here We help people buy these individual small properties, uh, put the down payment down, set them up with financing, introduce them to management, all that kind of stuff. And then there's no promote. There's no, you know, sponsor or general partner managing the deal. They keep all of the profits. And more importantly, they, they keep the control themselves too. So, you know, if you need to refinance the building and take 200 grand out because you need to, you know. Pay for college, you can do that, right? For your kids or something like that. If you wanna buy a new house, You decide when you want to do that, access some money, go buy your new house. You decide everything about the deal. And that's really nice. That's of course a responsibility and you're taking on certainly more risk and more work when you do that, but it doesn't have to be that difficult for people that have a good team around them. If you have good management finance, we can certainly help you with the investment planning and finding the deals. That's our business. We're, you know, real estate agents and brokers at the end of the day, but there's a lot of compelling reasons for that. And as you said, with the the marketability of these properties, they're really popular. Yeah, there's, it's, lots of our clients are business owners, professionals, executives, physicians, dentists, just the type of people that have got, you know, three to $700,000 that they want to invest and they would prefer to buy their own property, control everything themselves. And as a result, there are a lot of people in the market that are ready to buy those buildings. They trade fast, um, two to four unit properties will sell in 30 days, five and up 60 day escrow. And you know the market is um, more transparent for that stuff. There are still some you know, off-market deals in this space, but you can go on in our area, you can go on your MLS and find good deals for sale. So um, it, is, it is easier as an individual to get into that space for sure. And then those buildings have far, less, uh, far fewer amenities and expense loads too. So these generally don't have pools, elevators, staff, security guards, a resident manager is only required in California for 16 units and above, which definitely gets on the larger side of what we do. Uh, these are pretty basic. So the expense ratios on these buildings, I've my buildings operate like a 25% expense ratio, which a lot of people think sounds ridiculous looking at some of these bigger projects elsewhere in the country. So they really hum. They're easy to own. They're easy to run too. Nice. Just out of Very
1: curiosity, Adam, do you want to go on another
0: question? No, you know what? Um, Man, we've got, we, we're gonna, let's see, let's get strategic here. Uh, real quick, if Anthony, if you could, um, just so we can get it out there, give the best way for anyone to follow up and get in touch with you, and then we'll close it out with with Fletcher's question.
2: Absolutely. So um, we actually have a huge collection of uh, videos, guides, um, podcasts, guest appearances, calculators, stuff like that on our website at buckinghaminvestments.com. I just threw it in the chat for those of you joining us on Zoom. And we also have a little Calendly scheduling app there. If you want to schedule a meeting with somebody from the team, uh, you're welcome to reach out to us. Just pick a time that works. We're a totally no pressure organization. We don't do the hard sell. We just want to help people learn. If you want to email me directly, my email is anthony.walker at buckinghaminvestments.com or I'm sure you can find
0: me on LinkedIn as well. Got it. And you I know Aaron's, Aaron's going to probably drop. Oh, there it is. There he is. He's on top of his game. Thank you, Aaron. <laughs> Love it. And thank you, Anthony. You're quick too. Um, so Fletcher, uh, let's go ahead. We'll, we'll wind it down here. What's your. Yeah, well, there's Fletcher? two
1: things, Anthony, that I, and I'll stop after this. I don't want to dominate Um. those. <laughs> let's say like a 14 unit complex. Do you have, is that usually one buyer? Do you have instances where maybe two people come together with like an LLC and do that? Um, Very commonly. Yeah. A lot of people like to partner up, you know, old
2: childhood friends, family, you know, people get together that meet at an investment club or something like that. We, we work with a lot of small partnerships uh, where there might be two or three people getting together or two or three families that are already close and they'll pull their funds, create an LLC and buy a property like that. And that's a great way to get into a little bit of a larger building that's going to have better returns than trying to go out and say like buy a duplex on your own because the duplex market is tough. You know, it's a, duplexes are a great way to get started if you can owner-occupy and you can use FHA financing. The you know the returns are awesome there, but the cash flow is not going to be there. So absolutely, it's pretty easy to put two or three people together. Uh, the lenders are comfortable with that; they'll let you
1: vest in an LLC, and we see a lot of people doing that. Cool. love it! And uh, Adam, this is going back to what somebody's asking about getting in. I know, Anthony, you were like the, the president of for investors, buy investors? It Like maybe somebody who is getting out or trying to get in and they're looking at this and saying, hey, it's a little intimidating. What type of clubs like that, like Phoebe, for example, how, how has that helped you? And is that something that you would recommend a younger guy or gal? Oh yeah.
2: I mean, you're, you're gonna learn so much meeting people. So um, yeah, Phoebe is for investors, buy investors. I'm the chapter leader of our Long Beach group. Uh, we're, we're meeting virtually right now, but there are also groups in South Bay and Pasadena. Um, it's generally a California organization. And I've met so many great people. We used to do those things in person. I'm sure we will again at some point soon, but you can actually still meet people online. I met Adam at a, a, a Phoebe sponsored conference and um, really made some great connections there. So, whether you're looking for partners or you're looking for people to learn or you're looking to learn about the local market, definitely reach out to your local clubs. Uh, there are usually RIA chapters in pretty much every major city of the U S. Uh, Phoebe's a great organization. Meetup.com has got all kinds of stuff there. Um, just go out and meet people, shake some virtual hands, bump some elbows, whatever you got to do. And, um, yeah, I mean, real estate's all about relationships at the end of the day.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. That's that, to me, you know, that's the most fun part of this, this game here too. It's, uh, relationship driven. And this is a perfect example of what we're going through right here. So uh, Anthony, thank you. Thank you so much. And ladies and gentlemen, thank you again for investing your most valuable resource with us here today, your time at this next level webinar, creating multi general wealth through real estate. That was with Anthony Walker. If you found value in today's message and you're with us on the replay again, be sure to like share and subscribe there. It really helps with the future performance of next level webinars helps us bring on more high profile guests, just like Anthony. And guys, remember, you can go check out Anthony's website. That's buckinghaminvestments.com, right? There's an S there, Buckingham Investments. Yes, that's correct. There it is. All right. Got it. So um, Fletcher, Anthony, I guess in that order, any closing remarks?
1: Yeah, no, that that was great, Anthony. Thank you so much. I might have to dig through that again on the replay, but thank you for your time. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, guys. It's been an absolute
2: pleasure and uh, hope to see you again soon.
0: Yep. And for everyone who's with us here live, if you want to virtually shake Anthony's hand, we're going to be doing that now. So let me give one more thank you to our sponsors Cabo Key Real Estate. Cabo Key Real Estate helps their buyers find the right properties in Mexico through the power of education. You can go to their website, that's CaboKey.com. And our other sponsor, Raise Masters, the number one mastermind for elite capital raisers. You can learn more by attending the upcoming Raise Masters webinar. There's a link to that in the chat as well as the show notes um, if you're with us on the replay. So, and of course, audience, thank you guys again. One more time, you rock. Thank you for tuning in. My name is Adam Carswell. Major shout out to our co-host, Fletcher Wheaton and Anthony Walker was your rock star of the day. Go connect with him. And guys, remember, in all you think, say, and do, take it to the next level.